0: Well, may not say this for a while, but uh, flipping your Bibles to Romans. This will be the last one. If you're visiting with us, we've been in Romans here for a couple decades. And uh, it's kind of a downer. Like, this is it. Chapter 16, ending it. Actually, the Lord, I'm not sure if it's totally, I think it's the Lord, but uh, I sense that we're probably going to do a 52-week recap on Romans here (laughs) coming up, so, uh, no. Yeah, we're in uh, the last chapter of Romans. I want to just read some of it, but um, Romans 16, and he starts off uh, by saying this, I commend to you our sister Phoebe a servant of the church at Centrea. I did Google Translate, just by the way. Have you ever heard of Google Translate? You can put the word in in English and tell what language you want it to come out in, and it'll actually pronounce it for you. So I practiced, um, but I'm not good at it. But he says to Phoebe, this church in Centria, that, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever She may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Eponetus, I think, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who's worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junna, my kinsmen and fellow prisoners. They're well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. And he keeps going on and on, name after name after name. Remember the days when you'd write letters? That was the only way you communicated. And, and you'd wait to get a letter back, and it would take weeks. If you wrote to someone overseas, it would take a month or two months or three months. I remember in high school, junior high, actually, my first youth, first youth conference retreat, and uh, I, I met this, you know, Nebraska girl. It was love at first sight, and we couldn't afford to call each other. It's so expensive, so we wrote each other's letters, right? That's what you did back in the day. I mean, now it's just so crazy, and all you could do is write letters and listen to 80s love songs. I mean, it's about all you had back in the day. Um, This is it. Paul's done. He's about ready to write to, or about to end this thing, And, and he ends his letter with, hey, you Oh, you gotta say hi to them, and oh you gotta say hi to them, and oh yeah, them, they're gonna be there too. Oh yeah, them. You know, I used to think Paul was this hard-nosed prophet apostle, he just kind of went around the world setting people straight, telling them the truth, let them have it, and they followed Jesus and Right, didn't need anybody, he's just out there doing it, and it just does not fit. Paul. especially after reading this in light of chapter 13 and 14 where he spends so much time talking about love and, and then when I read chapter 16 I'm like he really did like love people and you can tell people loved him the first person he mentions is this gal Phoebe servant of, of the church at this city and he says welcome her in a way worthy of the saints. She's been a patron of many. So you're talking about someone who was wealthy or influential or both, and, and through that, sponsored the church, sponsored Paul, saw the kingdom of God go forward. And she was over on Paul's missionary journeys, one of them. We're not sure which one, but that's where they met. And now she's in Rome, or she's actually on the way to Rome. He says, welcome her, right? So she's going to be going with this letter, apparently. I don't know if she's the one carrying it. I doubt it. I think there's somebody else that carried it. But she's going. He's saying, hey, look out for this gal. She's all about the kingdom. You can follow somebody's heart because they'll spend their money on what they love. They'll spend their influence on what they love, and and he's like, this gal is about the kingdom. She wants to see them. You, you, she wants to see the kingdom go forward. You got to take care of her. And then he goes on and he talks about this other couple. It's, it's actually a couple, Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ, who risked their necks. I like that for my life. To not only I give thanks but all the churches and the gentiles give thanks as well meaning look I'm happy you did it and you also be happy because if they didn't do this I wouldn't be here kind of thing and and we don't know much about them other than they're following Christ they, they fled Rome actually we hear this from a, another book they fled Rome they were Jews and the, the emperor kicked them out so they ended up going to Corinth they met up with Paul there maybe that's where they became Christians started to follow him they actually went uh, uh, I, if the history is right went with Paul to Ephesus as well I mean they're all in stuck their necks out for Paul risked their life for him you ever had somebody risk their life for you I mean, it does something, right? You're forever indebted. It does something in our hearts when somebody risks their life. And they laid down their life. Jesus said, there's no greater love than this. It's demonstrated than someone who lays down their life for another. And he's like, oh, oh yeah, they're gonna be there. Like, tell them hi for me. Tell them hi. I'll never forget it when they... Stuck their necks out for me. He also says, greet also their, the church that's in their house. So it's not only that they stuck their necks out, they, their house was this place where a church was. They're all in. Just bringing people in. It says, goes on and he says, greet my beloved Epinetus." I think is how you say it. He's the first convert in Asia. Isn't that cool? Like, Paul remembers him, and for whatever reason, now this guy's in Rome, and Paul's like, hey, would you say hi to that guy? He's the first convert. Now, this letter is being written right? I mean, it's in a church, right? It's in a house church, most likely, or a large room. There's people there. You ever, you remember being a kid? I don't think it stops even as an adult. When someone that you think is really cool and that you really love gets up in front of everybody else and says, hey, and points you out and affirms you, right? Like there's just something inside, like, oh, that feels so good. And here's this guy, The church hears a saying, I don't think he, you just don't go around saying, I was the first convert in Asia, by the way. You know, I mean, you put down a little schmock, I don't know, a little tunic, whatever they wear, right? Number one convert or first convert. But wouldn't that be so cool? You're there and he remembers you. You're not a number. He remembers you. I mean, there's something like I, I know we had a connection. I know, like we hung out and all that. But this, did I really matter to them? And, and here he goes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You gotta tell that guy. How. He was the first convert. That guy was nuts. Love that guy. Followed Christ when nobody else had yet. First convert in Asia. Some of you are the first convert in your family line. Think about that. What kind of cool letter would that be? Oh yeah, they were the first one to follow Jesus. Isn't that cool? It says, greet Mary who worked hard for you. We don't know much about Mary. All we know is Mary, there's a lot of Marys in the New Testament, but this Mary, Paul Paul said, this gal... Has worked hard for you guys. All in. Can you imagine Mary hearing that? Like, worked hard. Not just like busy hard, but worked hard for the saints, worked hard for the people, the church. Her heart had to soar. This then goes on, verse 7: greet Andronicus and, and Juna, my kinsmen and fellow prisoners. They're well known to the apostles. And they were in Christ before me. This is a couple. They're both actually tent makers. Paul met up with them. They're tent makers and and they're these guys that are all about the gospel. And it says in our, you know, if you do ESV, it says they were well known to the apostles. Other versions say they were actually apostles. So let me just press pause here and explain this. So there is this thing called an office of apostleship which people were brought into. So you had the 11 original disciples. Judas was obviously out. They chose lots and another guy got put in. So you had those 12. Paul was pulled in as an, as an apostle into this office of it. But then when you read over in 1 Corinthians, there's such a thing as a spiritual gift of apostleship, right? Leadership, serving, administration, all these different spiritual gifts. They were people that didn't have the office of apostleship, but most likely had the spiritual gift of apostleship. Because they, they were with Paul. They, they made tents, they clicked over that, and, and they were all about going and clearing the ground and building a foundation where the church could thrive. That's just how they rolled. They were gifted that way. And so when they would talk to Paul, they, it, was just, it was like they were speaking the same language. They just got each other. And he's like, oh yeah, you gotta remember them. I mean, they even went to prison together. And suffering, when you suffer with other people for the cause of Christ, it, it just does something. You, you bind you get bound together, stuff happens. God's, God does this supernatural thing. Our hearts get woven together. The rest of this list, we, we have no, no clue who they are. They're just their names. And we have no background. He's saying, hey, greet them, greet them, greet that person. And so there's a couple things, though, about this list that I don't think we want to miss. Um, first thing that pops out as you do this is it's, this list is countercultural. It just seems like a list of names, but it's not a list of names. A third of the people on this list were women. A third of them. Israel, during that time, gave no legal rights to women. Women did not have legal rights, did not have this voice at all to speak out and to stand. It just didn't happen. And here, and let alone be listed on a letter like this. It's countercultural. In Rome, there was more given to women, but it still wasn't that much. It's cross-cultural, It's not cross-cultural, it's counter-cultural. It's going against the whole current of what culture says about devaluing women. And here is Paul saying, hey, I want you to greet and welcome. Who's the first person on the list? It's a woman. Someone who's had incredible influence and had been a huge reason this church has gone forward because of their influence, her influence, and possibly her money. Pulls up, women the other thing that stands out is in verse 10 and 11 if you look over there it talks about greet those who belong to the family of aristobulus or aristobulus or however you say that and greet my kinsman herodian greet those in the lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. and this was a phrase that talked about those who belong to the family meaning slaves if you read through different commentaries, they're all saying the same thing. Yeah, this was a reference to those who were slaves in the household. This is crazy. This is really cross cult- or counter-cultural because what Paul is doing is he's pulling up in this letter slaves and saying, hey, I remember those people. You've got to say hi to those people. I remember them. Slaves, they were, they were nothing. They were non-mentionables. Right? You didn't talk to them. They weren't there to be mentioned in something like this. And what's interesting is they're mentioned before other people. They're not even at the last of the list. They're in the middle of the list. This is what Christ does. Christ starts to push against the current. Christ starts to pull in people because that's what he does. He loves all people. And you, you look at this list, and it's, I think the other piece that comes out, it's not only countercultural, there's a diversity here that this world isn't really comfortable with. We like diversity only the way we define it. And, and, and Paul is famous for saying this over and over again. In Christ there is neither male nor female, neither Jew nor Gentile, neither Roman nor Greek, neither poor nor rich, all of these different things. There's just a diversity in the family of Christ, and that's his vision. Look around this room. Now, we would all laugh and say, oh, yeah, we're all white. Well, yeah, we all live here. You, you have other churches. I mean, we're our sister church up, Faith Alliance, they're all African-American, but they're diverse in their are and we're diverse in our body. There's rich people here, and there are dirt poor people in this room. There are doctor-level people here, doctorate-level people here. There are people that didn't, didn't go to school, college, that are doing just fine. Educated, not educated, white-collar, blue-collar, it doesn't matter. Buckeye, Wolverine. <laughs> brown. <laughs> Steeler. Democrat, Republican. There is no one too low. There's no one too high. There's no one outside, and there's no one inside. There is only the body of Christ when we start to follow him. I love it. I, I love it. And so what happens in this countercultural, diverse body of Christ is, is this. The, the byproduct of this is Wherever the gospel goes, it brings equality. Wherever the gospel goes, it lifts up the marginalized. Wherever the gospel goes, it releases the poor or, or actually brings up the poor, It releases the oppressed. And, and that's what's happening literally in here. This is earth shattering kind of greeting at the end. Don't miss it. It pulls up people that are marginalized. How is it that a slave can be mentioned with a patron? That's unheard of and seen as equal. Right now, the church in India is being kicked out by the government because the church, that's what the church does. The church goes and shares the gospel and who's the most open to it often? It is the poor. I mean, Christ says that. It, it's really hard for the rich to get in. It's so hard. They just don't think they need God. So where does the gospel flourish? Most of the time, it flourishes with the poor. And so where does the church go? The church has gone to the Dalits. If you're part of India, you're part of a religious system. It's not just a cultural system, it's a religious system where you believe in reincarnation. So those who are on the lowest caste system are the Dalits and the reason they're there is because they did something bad in the previous life and according to their religious system, you shouldn't help them because they deserve to be poor, they deserve to be broken, they deserve everything they are getting. And so they can't lift them up. They must not lift them up. And here comes Christianity that says, you're made in the image of Christ. You're a bearer of the image of God. You have dignity. You have worth. If you follow Christ, he is going to bring you into his identity and into his kingdom. And and guess what happens? You start doing that and people start to what? Change. And they start to stand up straight. And they start to look around and go, this ought not to be. And it literally starts a revolution. It's what Christ does everywhere He goes. Subversive, and it's not that we're preaching a revolution. We're just preaching Christ's love. And so India's kicking us out. They don't want us there because it's changing. The Dalits are getting educated. The, the Dalits are, are finding a voice and saying this ought not to be. So Christ does. That's that's this letter. All these people, the diversity of it, the, the countercultural piece of it, and it just it lifts people up. That's that's Christ. And that's what we do here. There's so many stories of people being changed, transformed, lifted up, equal. The other piece about people here is, is found over in verse 21. There's another short list. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So does Lucius. Jason, this other guy. <laughs> I'm not going to try. My kinsman. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greets you in the Lord. Gaius, who is, I, that's how they say it, Gaius, uh, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, a city trader, our brother, Quartus, greets you. All of a sudden, we find this list of guys that are with Paul and some of them are prominent people that live in the city that he's in, but other guys are traveling with him. And I love this list because I never knew this. I knew Paul had like Timothy, that he traveled with Timothy, but at this moment when he's writing this letter, there's five people that have been traveling with Paul on this third missionary journey, five. Going with him to city after city after city. So Timothy's with him, Titus is with him, Silas is with him, Luke is with him, Luke, Luke, that's the guy who like wrote the gospel, Luke, is with him. There's one other. Paul traveled. Oh yeah. Gaius. Five people. You know, one of the stories that I love is Billy Graham. He did this ministry for, what, 40 years, his ministry? And there was a core team that ministered together all through those years. A lot of people came and go, but there was this core team. And when they got towards the end, they started talking about retirement. And they said, what if we all retired together to the same place? They'd served the Lord together for 40, 45 years, something like that. So they did it. They actually all retired in the same place down in South Carolina, is that right? Do you have anybody you would retire with who you've served the Lord together with, walked with Jesus with for years, and you go, yeah, I could retire with them? Wouldn't that be cool? Not, that, not just family, but people you've served the Lord with. You can do that, it's fair. I don't know if you ever thought about that. I think Paul had guys here. He wasn't anywhere close to retirement. But this was a group of people he served with. Did life together. And wasn't Paul lording it over them like he's the best? Because you read these letters where Paul's like, I got no one else like him. He wrote that about, he wrote that about Timothy. Never. Uh, he wrote that, yeah, about Timothy. You see his affection for Titus. Like there is this going back and forth, and loyalty, and love for each other that they had. Sorry, I didn't quite catch that. Could you please repeat it? <laughs> Something I said just triggered Siri. I, we were at district conference. This is in the middle of uh, Jeff Miller. He's the he's the leader of our district, right? And he's given this awesome message and something he said triggered this gal's phone and it was really loud and it said the directions to home will be or the time to get home will be is this much it just loud as can be and the whole place just it brought the house down because everybody's laughing like oh you really want to get out of here that quick but um siri it's listening to you all the time you have people you've served with you could retire with walked with Jesus could retire with I I just love this there's there's nothing about the Christian life that is done alone It, it isn't it's not done alone There's so much about this life that we we do together. I think one of the saddest things is seeing Christians who isolate themselves, who think this can be done alone, who say, oh, that's just my wiring, that's my personality. I'm like, no, no, it's not. There's this model we have. Christ had it. Paul does it. We do life together. We just had a... You know, cook out, had some people over, and it was just, there was no agenda but to be together and to share life with each other. It's so good. It's so good. Paul throws one thing in here that feels like a speed bump, and he just says this in 17. I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions, create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve the Lord Christ, but their appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all men, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent. As to what is evil uh, uh, um, Yeah, sorry I want you to be wise and good (laughs) To what is good and innocent As to what is evil, sorry It's all about inflection The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you He just throws in this thing He says, hey, look, division's gonna come Wherever the kingdom God goes forward Division's gonna come It's just gonna happen So what do you do when division comes? He says this He says, I love that one, you guys are not falling into that kind of false teaching. You're holding on to this doctrine that you've been taught. And so a big piece of, I'm just going to say, it's going to happen. It's not if. It just happens in the life of a church. It just does. Division comes. And what helps someone fight division of Christ follower in a local body is one, to know your doctrine. To be grounded in that. And so many of you have gone through that and taken the TTP. So many of you do Bible studies that we've offered year in and year out, men and women. And in small groups, you're in the word. That's one of the reasons why we spend a lot of our time in the word on Sunday mornings. It just works. And so you know these things. And then he says the other way of it is not only know your doctrine, but then just be wise towards what is good, but innocent towards what is evil. Meaning you don't have to go and study everything out there that is false doctrine, that will cause division. Don't worry about it. Just study the original, right? It's the whole counterfeit original. How do you tell a counterfeit? Well, you study the original and you get to know the original and then you'll see the counterfeit and it'll be easy. And that's all it is. We don't have to know everything that's going to come our way and what's going to bring division. It was interesting. I had a couple conversations just this year with people that, you know, they wouldn't say they're like, rah, rah, people, I want to go, you know, fight division or stuff like this. they are just mild-mannered people, and, and two separate conversations this past year of saying, hey, I'm hearing this being taught, and it's just off, and I don't know what to do, like, and we talked about it. But they knew, and they just went back and just told the person, hey, this is off. Didn't try to fight them, and then just left. I'm done. You don't have to win it. He says, I like this. He says, just avoid them. If somebody's causing division, tell them, hey, you're causing division. If they don't stop, then just avoid them. Huh. You don't have to set them straight. You don't have to beat him up just avoid him you won't talk him out of it let christ do that his final thing is this now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel there's four accordings here according to my gospel and the preaching of jesus christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept for kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings and has been named to all nations according to the commandment of the eternal God. I'm, I'm sorry, there's three. What was I saying? Four. And according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. So you could really read this. Now to him, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Christ Jesus Christ. Amen. The accordings are really him re-saying the previous chapters. It's the essence of the previous chapters. The one who can strengthen us. The one who has now revealed this mystery of Jesus Christ coming and dying for us. And the one who calls us to obey by having faith in him. To him, the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the end of the letter. After all that he's written, he ends it with this. To him, to Jesus Christ, to the only wise God be glory forevermore, through Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you you found in these times that we have gone through Romans Christ strengthening you? Have you found him grounding you in his word, in his doctrine? Have you found, like, you understand it's not a mystery anymore, it's just clear to you? Have you found him doing these things? Have you found your, your faith growing and obedience growing? Then you understand this phrase. To him be the glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you find the longer you walk with Christ, the less you praise things in this world? Not people, but glory. Giving glory to things. I used to Give glory to things that I thought were just amazing, and the older I get, it just seems empty. They're just f- fluff, fake, whatever, contrived, of no substance. But this give glory to Christ that has substance. we're going to just end our service with this. If you have reason to glorify Christ today, I would encourage you, this is just going to be simple. But we can do this with our, just, just as easily as right now, with all our heart and our mind and our soul, our strength, just to say, God, I glorify you. I give you praise. I worship you and before we do that even as he says this god who can strengthen us if if you need prayer this morning and the holy spirit is telling you to come forward right now not why not at this moment but here in a second come forward for prayer come forward for prayer we have people that want to pray that love to pray we just heard some bad news this morning bob kennedy you guys may not know him he's a first service dude and the second chair on the very back row and is his chair it's got Bob written on it, I think. Um, Bob's been diagnosed with cancer, and you know he's in his 80s, and it doesn't look good. Um, he's one of these old school guys, wouldn't go to the doctor, just that loves God. And I, I don't know what you're carrying in here, um, but don't dismiss what God could do and how he might want to heal or move or give you words of encouragement. I don't know. So let's stand and let's sing this doxology. It's just a, this famous doxology the church has been singing for a couple hundred years or more. Mm-hmm. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.